our next game, uh, after Video Ball, might be a game entitled Corgi 64. The Nintendo 64-like polygon platform game with a bunch of cool levels and a hub town full of uh, Mega Man Legends-looking humans uh, who are really happy and pet you as you walk by. This is episode 91 of the Insert Credit Podcast. I'm Alex Chaffee, and the most impressive, stupid thing I think I've done in a video game is max out the score in the GTA port of Super Mario Bros. 2. Nice! Uh, I'm, I'm Frank Spaldi, and the most impressive, stupid thing I've ever done in a video game is uh, what I call Full Contact Duck Hunt. And uh, it, was, it was a party at the uh, Classic Gaming Expo, I believe 2001. And what I did was... Uh, I drank a lot of stuff, and then I stacked furniture up that was in my hotel room. There was yeah. a party in my hotel room, and I had Duck Hunt on the TV. And it was a competitive sport where you had to jump off the stacked furniture, try to hit a duck midair, and then bounce on the bed. And uh, what, what I did was I, I managed to hit one, which was very difficult. Oh, man. Nice. Uh, are we talking about me now? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, that's how yeah. it goes. Uh, my name is Tim Rogers. Uh, I don't know. I basically only ever do stupid stuff in video games, so I, I don't know. I try to make video games appear as stupid as possible as I can, so I guess the fastest uh, start to uh, shrieking with laughter I ever experienced in a game was uh, uh, I started playing Saints Row because I got it for free, and... Uh, my characters like they're like talking. Welcome to the streets. Welcome to the gang. You're, we're gonna have a bright future. And then as soon as I'm able to control the guy, I like turn around and jump immediately on top of a car. And my guy's just standing on top of the car. I went. From, I played the game for not, not even a half a second in control of the game before I was standing on a car that then just drove around the neighborhood in a circle for like 45 minutes. <laughs> me and my friend just sat there laughing. And uh, that was good. That was real good. So that's yeah, I had a similar experience to that with Saints Row, actually, where like as soon as I got control, I was just trying to stand on top of this garbage bag because yeah. it was rolling around, and I was just I just kept trying to stand on top of it, and eventually I got on top of it, and then it just disappeared. I probably pushed it through the world, is what happened, but it disappeared. Anyway, that's not the stupidest. Nice. The what what exactly was, were the terms stupidest, most hardcore? <laughs> The most impressive, stupid thing you think you've done. Stupidest, okay. most hardcore. I guess the uh, impre- most impressive thing uh, that was also stupid was probably I unlocked everything in Deadly Premonition. Oh, Dead uh, Pretty stupid. I got I got all the cards. Yeah, I got all the cards. I got all the cards with a D. Cars, cards. I got all the weapons. I just got. I collected all of the things uh, that you could collect. I fished out all the things you could fish. It was uh, it was ridiculous, but I you did all. You just got all the stuff. You just got all the goddamn stuff. Got the side quests too. The side I have quests. a new. I have a oh, new yeah, great answer. I have a new great answer. What is the most impressive, stupid thing I ever did uh, in video games? Uh, I played Bioshock Infinite. Oh. I played the whole thing. <laughs> I played the whole thing on hard. Except for the uh, the last couple battles when I realized I had enough and turned it down um, to easy. So in Sonic Adventure 2, if you do absolutely everything you can do in the game, 
uh, you unlock a 3D version of the first level of Green Hill Zone from Sonic the Hedgehog 1. True. Uh, and I spent way too much time trying to get that, and I never did. And that's that's a big disappointment in my life. It sounds like you didn't try hard enough. Yeah, yeah. I guess not. Well, here's our first topic. That was not our first topic. Uh, Valve has cre- has crafted a reputation for their elaborate metagames, which surround their annual annual summer Steam sales. I can't talk. What ideas would you have for their uh, sale next year? Ooh. Hmm. Every game should be free all the time. That's not really a metagame, Frank. Oh. Free games. People should, should have to buy- earn their discounts. Like, yeah. I'd start there. Like, I'd make a game out of the sale. If you yeah. uh, if you buy enough stuff, then they'll finally make Half Life Three. That's that's the right joke, right? I, well, that's that's the idea, yeah. Yeah. If yeah. by right you mean easy. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. I meant easy. Uh, man, I don't know. I don't like those meta games at all, and I don't like the way that they're, like. They're making it so that, and I understand it, that's what free-to-play is all about, but they're making it so that when you buy these cards and stuff, you have to, like, you keep buying them to try to collect the full set, and it's and you're supposed to trade them around, but they get money on even the sales of the trades and things, and you get randomly assigned, assigned to these cards, and whoever has these cards kind of wins something, and so people tried to democratize it, right? And uh, and have each each different colored team win on a certain day, so that um, Valve couldn't like totally monetize them. But then they changed the rules so that there is a first and second and third place winner, so that then uh, monetization was kind of like necessarily back in there. Um, so. It's hard for me to think about that stuff right now because I'm kind of annoyed that they're doing it. Um, so I guess in my ideal world, Valve would do a thing that didn't, it, that was just for fun, that didn't cost people a bunch of money. Uh, so that's where I would start. Is something that was just enjoyable. Yeah. Um, the end. All right. So enjoyable, possibly related to earning discounts. Yeah. yeah. Not so far. <laughs> so we got good, good okay. start. Uh, a game of some kind, a meta game. Yeah. Uh, gosh, what a kid! I don't know. Um, I like the idea of of a really weird like uh, couponing meta game to get the best discount you can, kind of like uh, you know, like extreme couponers. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the game would be, but there's another dumb idea to throw in the pot here. Mm-hmm. So play, you know how- play through games and take screenshots that are essentially clip-and-save coupons. Yeah. So uh, you know how there were these action figure sets where if you got one action figure, then you would get a piece of another, and if you got all of them in the set, you could assemble them into a new action figure? Yes, I do know that. Yes, yeah. I'm, I'm aware of that, yes. What I if we not- apply that to this? That like you got individual levels in a game and you only got the whole game when you uh, took advantage of all. These no, not things. levels. What if it's like pieces of a game? So it's like you have a level, and if you load it, it's just a level, and you can't do anything because there's no character yet. No. Yeah, I like that better. Like oh, that's that, great. Like that uh, DLC quest game. Actually, that 
There's a game called DLC Quest, which I think is now out on the PC. It was originally an Xbox Live indie game. And it started out with, like, crappy graphics and no sound effects and bad jumping and stuff. And at first, it seems like an awful game. And then it becomes a somewhat less awful game uh, as time goes on. Because when you collect gold, you uh, you buy DLC. Uh, it's, it's all in-game, though. You aren't actually spending any money. Uh, that unlocks things like sounds and music and uh, effects and good jumping and that sort of stuff. I think they stole that from so a it could be like that. Flash game. From a what? No. From a browser flash game called Upgrade Complete. It was made in like 2006. Nah. Hmm. Nah. Maybe. Nah. Possibly. No, maybe. That's, maybe it's that the same person like that made it. Of, sounds like the sort of thing I sure wouldn't like. No. Yeah. I mean, you know, I it's guess I just cute. have some fundamental disagreement to, like, games about games or games that are about being a game or what have you. Yeah. What You're going to love the Stanley Parable. Oh, yeah. 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 Stan Pair. Was it Matt Hazard? Is that what it was called? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was. Eat led the return of Matt Hazard. Yeah, that game was um, garbage. E-L-T-R-O-M-H? Yes. Yeah, I know yeah. that one. No, just kidding. I don't actually know what that is. I only really it's pay attention to, like, the really cool games. Oh. Like the, the ones that are really cool. Hence your That's super cool reference to Bioshock Infinite at the top of the show. Bioshock Infinite. Yeah. As I would call it as a joke. Uh, so wait, what is this whole thing? We're talking about metagames on Steam. Like, what's the whole... The whole point of it is that they get to tease Half-Life 3... Or whatever, is that it? No. And then everybody the whole gets point this. of it is that it gets people excited about the sales and participating in the yeah, sales. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they did last year, what they started with this, the trading cards thing. Yeah. You know, get excited about the sales. How about just Hats. good deals? Good deals on cool games. Yeah. You know? yeah. How's that for a goddamn they, I, don't think it's hard to get, I don't think it's hard to get people excited about a sale because it's like, oh, this is cheap. Everybody just goes and gets stuff if it's cheap. I'm not going to uh, buy more because there's a card that I get. Personally, can, I, uh, can I express a thought related to the Steam sale that uh, I think merits discussion, and maybe I'm totally off the mark here? Okay. Yeah, this this, might, this might, might put us over a little bit, unfortunately. Just yeah. do it, man. Just do it. I find myself wondering if uh, the, the Steam library culture that we're sort of cultivating with all these sales of, of having a ton of games that uh, you bought and you're probably never going to buy, I mean, I play, just you know, there's people kind of have a joke about their Steam libraries and how much stuff is on there, and then and, you know they, they keep buying all these humble bundles and just keep like piling up these games that they couldn't possibly ever play all of. Could uh, that possibly be? I mean, and a lot of indie developers sort of rely on these sales, right? A lot of indie developers rely on Steam sales just suddenly spiking their revenues because it seems to work really well right now. Is it possible that this culture of 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 mass uh, consumption of, of of game purchasing is going to eventually uh, tire out and and completely change the indie PC game sales landscape. I dread that day, Frank. I think it's a it's a large possibility, and it's something I hear and see people talking about all the time. It's people. People love being in them Kotaku comments or whatever. Like, yeah, I've got like two thousand games in my Steam, man. So like, yeah, it's, it's got like all these games. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and that, it's like 
it's the new uh, look at all my stuff thing, basically, except it's e-stuff. It's not even real stuff. I've got like 14 games in my Steam. So I was thinking a cool Steam metagame is you get you get a discount. They'll like give you they give discounts to people. You know, like you get like a batch of them. Like I, I don't know, but you can't use them. You have to give them to your Steam friends. Mm. So like, what what discount sale did you get? I got Dark Souls for a dollar. Uh, who wants that? You know, oh, I've got this. And then you're trading those deals somehow. And it's like you can't just click on them, but they're like bigger deals. So you end up with people just having to just flop all over each other. That's all I got. Or uh, failing that, uh, use the Chivos. Have like achievements like get an achievement, get this achievement in this game that is a dollar and will let you buy this other game for $4. So it's like force people to play the games that they buy. <laughs> Chivos. Yeah, and failing, failing that, QR codes. Right. There you, can't you go. go wrong with the QR code. Yeah, the QR codes Quincy are all Reginald codes. <laughs> yep. So we all know that when it comes to game development, USA is number one. That's, That's indisputable. Right. Uh, number two, of course, would be Japan. Yeah, uh, USA but for argument's sake, uh, which of the lesser countries takes third place? France. No, Canada. Yeah, France. Actually, you know, Canada. I think. Wait, what? What about Canada? I'm, I'm going to say cool. that Canada might be number number two. Above yeah, Japan. Yeah, Japan can take a long walk off of a really like tiny pier, as far as I'm concerned, for video yeah. games. Yeah, oh. like I'd say that you know in 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 uh, Toronto you've got all those indies, and in Montreal mm-hmm. you've got all them triple A's, mm-hmm. and sometimes those triple A's come up with something interesting. Sometimes, and you know, just having like uh, Cappy and Metanet and um, you know Sean McGrath and What's that uh, studio that did Punch Out? Are they still doing stuff? Blue something? The Nintendo one uh, yeah. that did Punch Out and then did uh, yeah. Luigi's Mansion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think they're probably doing something else. That it's Luigi's Canada. Mansion on on 3DS was legit. Yeah, I would say Canada might be number two, and then maybe uh, so maybe but then maybe I don't need to say France anymore because Canada and France are basically the same thing. Well, <laughs> oh, oh man, yeah. But I mean, uh, I guess a lot of the AAA does happen there in Mont in in Montreal. Yeah, in so Mount in the real the King, mountain. Is no, the King called. the King's Mountain happens yeah. at the King's Mountain. King's that's, Mountain would be a cooler a, name for that city, guys. It would Can be. We, I would yeah, that's a that. good name for a game would, development company. I would go live in King's Mountain. Yeah. Or, or Royal Mountain or whatever, however they'd want to translate it. Mm-hmm. King's Mountain sounds the best. It does. I yeah. would go live there. Sounds yeah, like somewhere in Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. So if Canada's number two, who's who's number three? I mean, I don't know that it's Japan anymore. No. My mom's house would be up there higher than Japan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My, and my mom has never even made a video game. I think I think it actually is France. Yeah, France? Yeah. What else could yeah. it be? I mean, yeah, it might be France. You know that. So I was I was trying to think like, it's the Netherlands possible. is kind of cool. But oh yeah, the Dutch. Oh, you know, like them. Can we just say Scandinavia? <laughs> that's that's a region, though. It's not a it's not a country, so that doesn't yeah. doesn't work. But like uh, if you put if you put the Swedes and the Danes and the and the Nords together. Uh, yeah, if you, if you if you if you make that a country, that might be number three. Yeah, it's not a country though. I'd, I'd make it a country. You make it a country. Yeah, you might as well say Europe. 
I would just go ahead and say Sweden is uh, number one because they got Minecraft. Right, yeah. of course. That makes let's sense. Call it, let's call it Nordica. Yeah, Nordica. number three, number no, three let's call is it, let's call mom's it, house. Let's call it Nordic Track. My mom's house is number three. Can we please just say my mom's house is number three. Yeah, okay, Tim's mom's sure, house Tim's is number mom's three. House. They've got two Nordic tracks at my mom's house. <laughs> like, literally, that purchased at Goodwill, never used. Man, you know, I should someday, if it, this would just, it would please me so much to get a Norwegian composer for a game sometime. And, and so you can like, check out these sweet Nordic tracks that I get. It would be beautiful. <laughs> You want to know one thing about having somebody make music for your video game is What's uh, that? no matter how many times you say who did the music, you get like basically people asking uh, over and over again. And uh, oh, I've yeah. gotten like 200 tweets or so. People are like, hey, who did the music for your game? It's like, man, it's right there in the description of the video. And uh, yep. can you please just read that? Uh, <laughs> and also, is this on Vita? It's like, yeah, the, the commercial's me holding the Vita the whole time. <laughs> like it's it's. I mean, it's not a joke. I'm sorry. But Lily Wang's isn't turned on, so I mean, it, I could see their confusion. <laughs> yeah, I'm that. sorry. You guys talked about uh, Tuffy the Corgi and the Tower of Bones before we got to the Tuffy the Corgi and the Tower of Bones category, which means oh. we won't be discussing it this week. And oh, uh, really? It's a question from the podcast. Yes. Oh, that's too bad. Yes, I've I've in, I've put a lot of really. Uh, arbitrary rules into the show, and we'll see yeah. how they play out. Alex Jaffe is uh, is playing a Steam metagame with us right now. <laughs> yeah, I sure am. Yeah. Okay. Let's uh, move on to our next topic, I think. Uh, so, a lot of shooters take a casual attitude towards the hundreds of human enemies you kill over yeah. the course of the game. How can games make these deaths more impactful? So when you say uh, shooters, is that screen. a term for people who who do heroin? Is are those shooters? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he's exactly. talking. To, he's talking about um, like when you you get those little uh, alcoholic Jello shots. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. 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 How do they make that more meaningful? Yeah. Yeah. I want to say, I, I proposed this in a Kotaku article a long time ago, but uh, screaming. Um, the you shoot people and they just go oh, and fall over, but People who have been shot in the stomach or even the goddamn arm, uh, yeah. they are terrified and they make horrible sounds. Uh, maybe put a little bit of that in there. Yeah, I would like, say you have to shoot them in the face to make them stop too. Yeah. Also, few, fewer fewer deaths yeah. uh, makes it more impactful for sure. It's like, man, when you're playing Uncharted three, and you know the dude's trying to be he's trying to be a good guy it's like contra and, it's and like, like at the at the end of it at the end of it he's he you know he's like he's like reaching out to try not to let the 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 evil lady die because he's proving that no he's really a good guy it's like man what about the thousand people like when by the time i finished that game i had killed almost a thousand people cuz they yeah. had a stat for it it's like what about the yeah. thousand people i killed what about them like i just want right. to save this one white lady also, in fact, if I had killed her at the beginning of the game, the game would have been over. Like Brandon, all the did problems. Did you just say evil lady die? I said nice. uh, evil white lady die. No, no, you said evil lady die, and I want to hear that Elton John song. I said nice. white. I said white. <laughs> so, so white lady. White lady. Yeah, less dead. deaths. Yeah, less deaths. I think uh, what with the new Uncharted, Uncharted Four, Un Un Unch Fort Ted. 
which yeah. is about a guy named Ted, and it's also in 3D, so the E is a this is three. It's about uh, isn't it about Uncle Uncle Ted from Bobby's World? Isn't that his game? Yeah, 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 yeah. Unch four T three D. It's in three D. Um, that's being directed <laughs> and produced and written by the guys who did The Last of Us or Thelostophus. Yeah. Yes. And I'll be darned if that game didn't have slightly more meaningful deaths than in most uh, of the shooting type games I've played. The the deaths were. I mean, I would go so far as to say much, much more meaningful. Oh, so, too much. Especially the humans. Uh, I mean, obviously, the, the zombies were, were scary and all that, and uh, you couldn't help feeling kind of sorry for them because they were making... And again, this is a thing that it comes down to, is they were making horrible noises. The zombies are just like... I mean, I played that game with my headphones on, and you know the zombies are close by because you can hear them making noises like through the wall, and the noises they're making are just these... These disgusting. huge, long, not even disgusting. Uh, that's, well, sometimes there's disgusting noises when they're like attacking you, which is a good motive for me to not get attacked. But they're just making these really depressed noises. They're just like, uh, uh, they're just like, they sound like really like genuinely horrified at what's happening to them. So that was kind of meaningful. And then you shoot them and they're quiet, and it's like, oh, that's kind of. Uh, that kind of feels like something, and then but the yeah. humans, uh, there are more humans in the game, and uh, there's a bunch of those, and those people are all just crazy, and you're scared of them because uh, they're desperate, and uh, you, there's only a couple yeah. of them at a time. But you want to talk meaningful shooting? God darn Max Payne three, man! Uh, it's a stupid game, and I love it, and it's just you get in these firefights where the whole level's just you and like four other guys in a parking garage where there's a van, you know. <laughs> And you have, like, 20 seconds to sh- kill all those guys. Uh, and if you get hit once, you're basically dead. Like, I like that sort of thing. Max Payne 3, man. And uh, Kanan Lynch 2, Dog Days. Yeah. Uh, the killing kind of feels like something. There's tons of it. If you don't feel terrible about shooting all those people, uh, you're as bad a person as the people in the game. So that's kind of interesting. Like, that's a really good personality test of a video game. The the shooting feels felt really meaningful to me because it just felt like it's just gross. You're just like mowing through these people, and it just looks disgusting. And your dudes are just these disgusting psychotic mouth breathers, and uh, that's kind of neat in an art sort of way. The end. The end. All right. The, the end. end. For me, uh, anyway. I mean, if anybody else wants to. Nah. Yeah. Who? No. Uh, no one else wants to jump on this. No. Fine. No. No. Okay, uh, this next question is a listener question. This is from Brian K. He says... Frank. Yes. <laughs> so, Brian asks, are there any games that require the player to be hit in order to progress? If not, how would you design one? Oh. Well, well yeah, I mean, there, there are a lot of those uh, games where it's it's like, yes, you are. it's like a mandatory death. Mandatory yeah. death. Mandatory. Yeah. But those are all extremely lazy. They're all just like linear... Yeah. That's like, always a result of of bad design. Uh, me and Frank and Kerwin were playing Eight Eyes last week, and there's a part in a level where you drop down from one screen to another, and there's an enemy that is going to hit you every time. Mm-hmm. And that's remember that guy, Frank? Yeah, I do. <laughs> like that, uh, was, that was that was one of those flaming skulls, I believe. 
Yeah, one of those yeah. flaming skulls that just starts at the middle of the screen and you fall in the middle of the left side and yep. it just pop. You just get slammed by him. And it's like, I remember it's uh, the magazine Die Hard Game Fan educating me and using the term mandatory hit to describe that. There's too many mandatory hits in this level of this game. And I'm like, what does that even mean? And then I was like, oh. So that's that's where I got that term from. But I think that's a terrible thing. And the one thing I can think of is there's speedruns of Castlevania uh, the first Castlevania, where to get through a level faster, you jump up and take a hit, and you phase through the floor. Yeah. So, but that doesn't feel like you could design a game around that. No, there and there there are other things also in Castlevania where like you jump and you get hit by a Medusa head or whatever, and right. it it hits it like you it hits you backwards yeah. so that you're able to go up and onto a ledge or something. Um, but but yeah, I don't think there's any like puzzles in Castlevania that require that. Require it. No, 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 there, no, no, there aren't any. Yeah. So uh, I mean, the, the only example I can really think of of a game where you have to take hits to move forward that is designed around it is Wario Land 3 for the Game Boy Color, mm. where, where Wario is invincible, but getting hit by different enemies changes his state. So if he gets yeah. squashed by like a hammer thing, he becomes flat like a pancake and can yeah. walk under stuff. Oh and, yeah, uh, that's that's actually a thing in uh, in Bonk. Uh, yeah. In Bonk three, you have to get hit by a masher thing, and then it turns you into a crab, so that you can go underneath a deal. Like it doesn't hurt you, but you have to get hit by it. Yeah, yeah, I remember that one. But yeah. I I think Wario Land three is really a really good example because the game's just huge, and it's all that stuff. Yeah. It's like the whole game is. What do you have to get hit by to do this? And what do you want to not get hit by to reverse the thing that you got hit by? And it's it's really, really cute. And it's so a fun adventure I, game. If I, if I were going to do one of these, I'm, I would have it be basically like... A, uh, it would be a rogue-like, where you are like Rogue from X-Men. Uh-huh. Uh, and you... Nice. Art. Yeah, you're getting hit by things and absorbing their powers, and then using those powers in that, like in that level, in that scenario, make it like a one screen, screen at a time action puzzle platformy game. Like where, a masochistic Kirby. Yeah, yeah, where you have to get hit by stuff to absorb their powers in order to do certain things in certain areas. That that might be kind of fun. But then uh, she gets really like sad if you touch him too much. Right. Nah, she's gonna. They're all. They're mostly gonna be baddies, so she won't feel too bad about it. Well, okay. she, it's, a, it's a it's a rogue like. It's not a rogue simulator. Yeah, so yeah. Um, have you ever seen that X Women game for Genesis? No. It was a uh, a follow up to the X Men series called X Women. You just played as the women, including Rogue, uh-huh. and it was the only the only game for the Genesis by Clockwork Tortoise besides the Adventures of Batman and Robin, and it never oh. showed. Mm. Really? Yeah. So it's probably kind of cool. Let's get it. Yeah, I've never played that game. That would be well, a good. It's on, it's on release. Let's and, get it. No, no one's found it yet. But I'm saying, let's get it. There's footage on YouTube. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Let's okay. find it. Different programmer though. Different lead programmer. Oh. I think he right after Batman, so it might not be as cool. Yeah. Uh, so I've been doing a lot of research on early footage on YouTube. Uh, I've been doing a lot of research on early poison effects in video games, yeah. and I know that in Dragon Quest One there are these uh, poison swamp tiles that you have to cross, which uh, is also uh, which 
kind of occurs throughout the series. Oh, so, and you asked you asked me about this, and I forgot to mention that that girl is poison. Yeah. Yes. So you never trust a big button to smile. Yeah. Yep. Frank uh, and I got that joke. <laughs> I, I, I mean, yeah. That's fine. Let's keep going. So, early poison effects. You're saying? Yeah. Miss her, kiss her, love her, wrong with yes. her, dead. There we go. I know the one. Uh, yeah, so there are games where you have to walk over these poison tiles and you take damage as you go through a dungeon and you got to be careful to take the path of uh, least resistance through that. Like, how am I going to take the least damage going from here to here? So that's one way you get hit to progress. Uh, oh, yeah, I suppose so. I mean, that, that happens in, you know, like Shin Megami Tensei 4. They have these poisony fields that are mm-hmm. in dungeons that are sometimes the fastest way through a place, and you're like, well, if I can deal with poison, I can go over here. Um, but you don't need to do it. You can you can get around it. So I think it qualifies, though, that you're damaging yourself for a positive effect. Yeah. Yeah, there's uh, no, like, uh, there's there's some RPGs, like, the first Fantasy Star, for sure, oh, has, the part, has part, has uh, part Mar- where you... Yeah. Okay, I guess you could just go. Then. Sorry, sorry, Frank. I I got really excited. <laughs> sorry. I I I, I, I had something it. to say, uh-huh. but I, you know, you go first. I'm sorry. I was just gonna. All right, there's there's a part in the first Fantasy Star, probably some other RPGs too, where you actually have to walk through lava that hurts you. Oh. Uh, and, and there's no way to not walk through that to to advance. So. There's that. There's that too. Some about Super Mario Brothers. Go. Ahead. Yeah. So in the early Mario games, there are places you can only get in as like Little Mario. So as Little you Mario, can, yeah. You can, you can you can get past them though, without being Little Mario. You don't have to have that to advance. But to right? advance, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have area. to do it to advance. No. No. But like, uh, like, I think I think Mario Land is the best example of the ones that have the little like area yeah. that you can only get into a small Mario. Definitely. I th- that's that topic. I'm sorry I interrupted you, Frank. That was really unfair. <laughs> that's all right. Okay. Hey, can you guys? Uh, can you guys uh, hear we, me? Yeah, you're fine. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. That's weird. It feels like I wasn't being heard for the last. I think probably there was something wrong. Anyway, I guess yeah. that's okay. You're here now. So, wahoo! Has the discovery of a friend's video game preferences ever influenced your opinion of them? Man, when you started that question. Um, I thought you were going to talk about a friend's video game, like a video game yeah. based on like Chandler and Monica and <laughs> Rachel and whatever. Sure. Uh, but yet, let's see, if, uh, an opinion, a friend. No, because I've always, I've always, you know, talked it through. Like, oh, why did you like this or why did you like that? But like, if if I knew somebody, if I had a friend and then he's like, oh yeah, Hyperdimensional ne- Neptunia is my favorite game. And yeah. it's just a game about like touching twelve-year-olds. I might, it might change my opinion of that person. But it seems unlikely to get that far into a friendship with a person without knowing that they like to touch twelve-year-old girls. Because that people just can't, they can't help but talk about it if that's a thing they like to do. Yeah, that's um, true. Like if you you look at them anime fans and they're like, oh my god, it's so moe, and then you're just like, oh, I just threw up on myself. Uh, <laughs> but you know. Uh, so, but th- but that's like that's specifically like a creepy thing. Um, it is specifically. A creepy I, I'm thing. trying Actually, to think of the equivalent of. I'm, I'm trying to think of the equivalent of dating people and meeting a girl who says that her favorite uh, recording artist is Mariah Carey. 
Well, Frank, do you remember when I I was I was at Genova Deli in Oakland, yeah. and I was talking about how I was like I struck up a conversation with this girl because she was playing a game on her phone, and it was and it was it was like the Batman 3D game, and she was like, "This is my favorite game." <laughs> uh, it was not. It's not a very good game, but I was. I was just. I was so confused and conflicted because it's like here's an attractive lady, who I'm currently talking to, who likes video games and Batman, but she's saying her favorite game is this garbage video yeah, game. Yeah, it, it's some game loft thing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that Sephiroth's mom was running a deli these days. Yeah. Genova Deli. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I Sephiroth actually got mom. that reference, uh, even though I, I had dropped out of the call and uh, I knew. That I knew that you were talking about Genova Delicatessen <laughs> in California yeah. because of the Sephiroth. You, you so that shows how much I know about. That shows about how much I know about delis in Oakland and uh, uh, Final <laughs> Fantasy VII. That's right. And also the types of people who make jokes on this particular podcast. Uh, yeah, that shows all that and more. It's so true. yeah, I mean, I guess that thing there is the closest that I can yeah. think of to something like that happening where I was like, I don't know how to feel about this, about the fact that that this lady likes this game loft game. Um, I mean, the question but, uh, kind of assumes that, like, gamer is a type, you know, and, and I don't assume that. It's like, I don't know. But no, it kind of doesn't because, like, you could apply this to movies, right? Yeah. yeah. My favorite movie is Fight Club. It's like, oh, that's, you can judge that person immediately. Yeah, yeah my favorite movie is The Matrix. Right. Yeah. So what's the video game equivalent of that? I don't know. Like the, you can't do the easy ones. Like if it's Call of Duty, it's like, well, you don't really play that many games, obviously. If your right. favorite game is Call of Duty, it's nothing well, here's, wrong with it. Here's you. one that's here's one that's a little easier uh, to at least wrap your head around. Is like people that you meet and you're like friendly with them, and then they're like, oh, I made this clone of this other game, or like like when yeah. I met when I when I met the guy. Uh, who directed DuckTales. Like, he seemed like a nice enough guy. And then he s- said he directed the DuckTales HD oh, remake. No. And then, and oh, then the, no! And then the conversation just turned into, like, well, why did you do this? Why did you, you do this? You accidentally almost made friends with your arch nemesis. So, oh, like, yeah, I was there. Yeah, you were there for that. So, you know, like... I was there, that, and, me and me and Brandon, like, he tag-teamed on that guy. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> it was, you know, our... our it, 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 you know, we went we went from like, oh, here's a guy that knows one of our friends. Let's say hello to him. To like, but why did you make this decision in this video game? <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing! Why didn't you bring this up before? They, I think he did. I remember I, this. Yeah. We've brought it up briefly before. Right. Yeah, dude was uh, really nice. like good spirit. Yeah, the dude was really uh really like good humored about it for like. Mm-hmm. Two minutes, and then he just became really uh, uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we lost time. him. Yeah. So, what was what was his excuse? Why did he make that game? Uh, well, it wasn't. We're it like, wasn't yeah, all... yeah. It was like oh. you work. Oh. Okay. Tim, are you back? Yeah, I think Tim's back. Okay. Tim's back. Right. Yeah. Hello? Hello. Oh, am Tim. I back? Yeah, am I back now? Yeah, I got Comcast Business Internet in here, and uh, 
I do Skype calls with uh, Brent Porter all the goddamn time. Mm-hmm. How do you? All oh, right. Man. Next topic. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, In Comcast Business Defense, I'm on Comcast Business right now. Works. Oh, all right. All right. Uh, so when have you been the most lost in the video game world? Yeah, but you uh, are, yeah. What? Uh, you're about like 10 seconds behind him. Yeah. You might want to log in. Lost? Yeah, yeah. You, you might want to log in. Oh, log okay. Uh, we're going to be right back after we sort out some technical difficulties. Blaine, please don't use that chicken song again. He's the king of the Jews. That freaking guy. Well, according to some. Yeah. We all know that Jaffe is eventually going to be the new king. Yeah. Man, I don't know. Don't don't say a thing like that. Why am I here twice? Why not? Okay, Tim, I'm going to say a thing, and you're going to reply right when I'm done. Reply now. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Now we got two frozen Tims on the bottom of the screen. Good. Good. This is pretty good. That's what I was looking Never for. Never by the end of the <laughs> This all with different expressions of, of, of terror and horror. <laughs> the many faces of Tim <laughs> Okay, let's move on anyway. Uh, when have you been the most lost in a video game world? Um, right, any 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 uh, first well, person dungeon crawling game, like any one of those, I'm instantly lost. Yeah, yeah there's uh, one though where I did okay mm-hmm. uh, because I felt the same exact way. Like every first person video game that I played, uh, first person dungeon crawling game, I was totally instantly completely lost. But there's this one called like Legends of Low Res or something. I kind of forget exactly what it's called. It's a, it's like a little flash game, and it's 36 by 36 pixels or something silly like that. But um, they give you the map from the very beginning, uh, so you've always got the full map, and it's all about maximizing, you know, uh, your, like, finding the path and stuff. So that, that one actually worked okay. But otherwise, I totally, totally agree that any first-person dungeon game, I'm just, like, straight-up lost. And the other answer is Lost in Blue, because... Right. You know. I was going to say Lost the video game. Yeah, Lost via Domus. Uh, sure. Lost by Madome, right? Lost. Is that yeah. what that means? That's lost the one. Lost the Domus? Yeah. Yes. Can you guys hear me? Yep. Barely. Yeah. Barely. Um, oh, I know what that means. <clears throat> so the uh, the dungeons in Fantasy Star 2 love to get you lost because uh, they tend to be like three floors with about 20 elevators on each one that take you to different places on each floor. And mm-hmm. like you don't have enough of a view to sort of get your bearings and there's maybe five background tiles total in these dungeons, and it's it's actually really bad, and I don't actually, I think that game was designed for the hint book existing, um, which I think was kind of a thing back then, and yeah. uh, it caused the hint book to actually be included in the American version. I do not believe you're supposed to play that game without a hint book. 
Um, you know, I just thought about the time, like the first time I was really lost in a video game, and mm-hmm. that was in East Book 2 on the Turbo Graphics. It was the U.S. version. Um, not that it matters, but the final like dungeon in that game. I've never beaten East 2 because uh, it, which is kind of shameful because I love that series and all, but I've n- I never beat it because I got so lost. I just didn't know where I was supposed to go. Yeah, uh, it's it's one of those situations where it's like I've been back here, I've been through here like a million times. Where am I friggin' supposed to go? And I have a lot of those moments in RPGs, especially if if like I I. I, it's it's hard to figure out when you should stop playing an RPG because it's like should I start when I just got this new quest? Should I start when I just ended this quest? Those those all have their own problems. Like um, my uh, when um, my friend was playing uh, Chrono Trigger, she was yeah. playing that and then you know having a real good time and then at a certain point didn't play for two weeks and came yeah. back and then was just like what. What was I doing? Where was I going? That's and exactly then just... the unit of time I was about to use. If I'm playing an RPG and I put it down for two weeks, good night. That's the end of it. Yep, because you, you get back there and you're just like, what what, what was that stuff? Yeah. What was the thing? And it's hard to even find yeah. your place in an FAQ at that point. Yep. Um, and then different kind of loss, and I might have brought this up before, but it still frustrates me, was uh, Hotel Dusk, that adventure game for the DS where you're... Uh, a yeah. detective guy in a hotel. Um, yeah. I don't think it's actually called Hotel Dusk, but maybe it is. The hotel itself, I mean. Um, I got lost in, in the sense that the world, the, the game was waiting for me to solve a puzzle, but was, I really hated this so much. So, um, the, the, In this game, you walk around a hotel, and there's other, there's other people staying at the hotel, and you can talk to them and interact with them, and, and, uh, but they only sort of exist when, when the, the plot needs them to. Otherwise, you just knock on doors and nothing happens and no one's in there. And uh, so I got this part of the game where this guy's like, all right, meet me in my room and we'll do some stuff. He's like, okay, cool. And he went to his room. I go to his room and I knock and he's not there. And I'm just wandering this empty hotel and no one's there. Tim, we can hear you typing. Oh, I thought you couldn't hear me at all. No, we can hear you. Yeah. I was uh, I was, I was, asking if you could hear me, so never okay. mind. Um. So you're wandering, wandering this empty hotel, that, and and nothing happens, and I was just totally lost. Like, what am I supposed to do? This guy said, "Go to his room and meet him." So that's what I'm trying to do. It doesn't work. It turns out the entire game is waiting for you to solve this other puzzle that's happening like simultaneously before you can get to that one. So, mm. in order to make the world like go again, I had to know to look at this chalkboard and blow on it. And as, <laughs> soon as, I, as soon as I blew on the chalkboard, then Holy like Lord. Everyone in the hotel rematerialized in their rooms because I blew on a chalkboard. So oh, I was lost. One. Yeah, I hate that. So uh, I was lost there for quite a while, just wandering an empty hotel. You were lost in dusk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the most lost I ever was in a game, and I'm sure y'all covered this already, was in that game, The Bard's Tale, on the PC, which you were supposed to have the manual and. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, you're supposed to have the manual and the map and all that stuff because that's how they did the piracy protection back then, and uh, that was just uh, that was just darn, a darn cascade of I'm lost feelings. It was terrible, and 
my sense of direction until today is uh, better because of it, probably. That game was just terrible. Like, I couldn't find anything. It was like the town was impossible to navigate mm -hmm. because it was uh, first person. And, I mean, I feel like I've talked about this on this particular podcast before, this this exact game. It was it was nightmarish, especially if you'd seen the room that the computer was in when I played the game. It was in, like, a, the storage closet in the house. It's, like, no windows. It's, like like in the middle of the kitchen there's just like this room that's like as big as a computer desk and no windows and like just a little tiny lamp and I'm just like crammed in this little room full of papers and I'm trying to find the weapon shop in this town oh man and uh, I had to draw maps on graph paper but even then you go two screens without paying razor sharp attention and you just get lost because you're just like moving one screen at a time and you rotate your perspective but it just repaints the screen and now it's like oh there's another wall that looks exactly like the wall I was looking at a second ago oh that, 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 that's nightmarish yeah I yeah. hate that stuff I went ahead and I uh, I flipped that game the bard is what I did yeah oh, flip it the bard and then show it your tail on the way out mm -hmm. that's right. it's time for us to play custom soundtrack which is a uh, segment we do where I take a game and we rip out the music from it and put in music from other stuff that would be appropriate to the game. Uh, this week, we're going to do it with a game that hasn't been released yet. We're going to do it with uh, Far Cry 4. Far Cry? Yeah. Hmm. Oh, man, that's, that's a tough one because... Oh, wait, no, I think I, I think I got it. Because Far Cry 4. Usually, that stuff, that music in those games is real boring. And yeah. it's, it's kind of like just generic symphonic stuff. So I think it would be cool if all of the music in the game, anytime you heard music, it was just on people's radios or, yeah. you know, o over your car stereo or stuff like that. Um, so it would be cool to just have, like, a bunch of... What, what world does that take place in? It's in Nepal, isn't it? So, you know, just get a bunch of curious music from the region, from across the eras, uh... And 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 put that stuff in there. I can't think of a whole bunch of Nepalese music off the top of my head just now, though. Um, but you know, stuff. get some some stuff from uh, from the surrounds, you know, from the continent. I think, uh, yeah, I think the purpose of this question is that we kind of determine what that is, and I guess I don't really know what that is. Yeah, uh, I don't really. Other stuff that sort of sounds like the Himalayas. But I mean, those games are just those Yetis. Far Cry games are all pretty bad, right? Yetis warbling. <laughs> I don't know. I got some complaints that we didn't bring the game up uh, in our E3 episode. What uh, insert credit podcast listener would complain about that? Yeah, and no. that and The Witcher Three. You got. You got to. You, you got to mention those people. Out those people, so that we can tell them they don't need to listen anymore. That's yeah. I kind of. I kind of thought The Witcher Three probably should have been mentioned. Right. I thought we did talk about it, didn't we? We did not. I skipped it. I've talked no. about The Witcher 3 before, but not here. I like I that game, it, even though it's Okay, fine. For, forget this question. Let's just talk about The Witcher 3 right now. <laughs> I don't want to think of The Witcher 3. talk about The Witcher 3. I don't know anything. Yeah, I don't either. No, that's all right. We'll, we'll go back to the real topic. So, like, I think it would be cool to have things along the lines of, like, the... Uh, 
the old 60s rock music from Singapore that they have. Like, it, it was all old surf rock, and it had, uh, <clears throat> you know, Chinese vocalists uh, singing in that Mandarin over it. And, uh, it, like, Singapore was, at, at the time, it was the place where you could go get a good session band uh, because it was kind of like a neutral area. If you were in Taiwan or if you were in mainland China or whatever, it didn't really matter. You didn't have to worry about the political alignments and stuff at the time. So a lot of people were going to Singapore. Even some Malaysian folks would go over there to record with these bands like the Stylers and the Quests and... Um, and these kinds of dudes. So, uh, Boy and His Rolling Kids, for example. So, uh, they, but they all have this pretty interesting, unique sound that is simultaneously uh, Western and ambiguously foreign in, uh, in different ways. And I think that kind of stuff would be really cool to hear on the radios there. So, uh, those bands that I mentioned, also the Polar Five, just... Uh, I'd like that. I'd really like that kind of stuff. I could. I could give people examples of it later, in for them to listen to with their earballs. But yeah, that's my bid for this. Earballing. I mean, I guess yeah. You'd you'd ideally just want old Asian music. Yeah. I guess. Singapore. Yeah. You were saying Singapore uh, and the good session bands. Uh, and I thought yeah. a good name for a. For a session, a session band from Singapore could be Singapore Johnny and the Good Session Band. (laughs) (laughs) Singapore Johnny and the Good Session Band. Man, imagine if you're a Westerner in the '60s or was it '60s or '70s? '60s. Yeah, you're you're a, you're a Western musician in the in the in the 60s, and you need a band in Singapore, and you're like looking at the directory, and you see that name. That's the one you're going for. Yeah, Singapore Johnny. It sounds yeah. like he's the best. <laughs> he he would understand. He would get me. He would understand. Here's yeah. it. You you would see that name, and you would say, "Here's a Johnny that recommend." Wait, hold on, hold on. I'm gonna start over. You would <laughs> see that name, Singapore Johnny, and you would say, "Right here." Here's a Johnny that represents a whole Singapore. That's what mm-hmm. you would say. Yep. Yeah, that, like in, they actually that. had a they had a dude somewhat like that in Thailand uh, mm-hmm. because they're, like around the same time there was a guy called Johnny Guitar. Yeah. Mm. Oh, well, Johnny Guitar is one of my favorite Western films. Have you seen that one? I haven't. Uh, oh, Benny Goodman did a lot of sessions with Sing Sing Singapore. Sing Sing uh-huh. Sing. Yeah. If uh, my name were Johnny and I had a band, I'd call it Johnny and the Johnny Cakes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, Johnny and the JC. Yeah. So I think Frank's fictional band should be the score for Far Cry 4. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Johnny and the Johnny Cakes. Yeah, just all J and the JC. Yeah. Uh, here's our last topic before we. Go none, none, none of the legacy content, though, like an original soundtrack by Johnny and the yeah. Johnny Cakes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, yeah. of course. Uh, well, how do you envision the fatal misstep that finally kills the Assassin's Creed franchise? Hmm. Uh, it's when it's uh, Assassin's Creed, uh, assassin versus assassin, and then the assassins kill each other, and then there's no more assassins. Yeah, it just ends. Like It doesn't even have like a nice ending or anything. It just like the camera just kind of pans around, and you just see people like repeating their crowd animations over and over, and it just does that forever until you turn it off. I wow. think the, the, the fatal misstep is going to be when they spend too much money on it to actually properly recoup. Yeah. Um, and that 
may actually occur uh, at a certain point because they keep spending more money on these things. Maybe it won't, but I think that's going to be the real thing. Or maybe it's just they'll accidentally put a female character model in there and it'll double their budget and it'll just double yeah. <laughs> the whole end of it. arrangement. Oh, God. Yeah. Who animated this woman? <laughs> We're well, sunk. <laughs> I, I think they're probably pretty good about money there. I think what's going to get them their fatal misstep is when, uh, like, one of the guys responsible for making the game fun has to take, like, an extra 15-minute break because they only... Oh, yeah. They only devote like maybe twelve minutes to that, and yeah. then the game will be just boring enough for nobody to play it. So that's what's going to happen. Did I? I feel like I may have told this story before, but did I ever tell you guys about the the fun related question that I got uh, that I heard uh, at GDC China? I'm I'm just going to recap it real, real quick just in case because it it's it reminds me of this this scenario. It was there was a, a Japanese guy talking about making free-to-play card games and how great it was because you could just use the same engine and the same math and the same everything and just reskin the cards with a new theme and then you got a new game that you can monetize. Um, <clears throat> he was given all these stats and I was feeling like maybe I should be dead and maybe I should never make a video game. Uh, but really, I should have felt like I should make more video games so that they drown out this nonsense. But the uh, the real thing was um, <clears throat> so we were in China, and this uh, this Chinese game developer stands up and he's like, "All right, I get all this monetization stuff and all this uh, stuff you're saying about reusing things, but you also mentioned at one point that the game had to be fun. Now, can you give me a chart showing just?" how much fun I have to put into the game in order to get people to play it. Nice. And uh, so I was just imagining, like, the fun the fun chart. It's like, how many fun units? <laughs> what what is a smile? Can you so, measure joy? So, you know, like, if, if, if those guys, if those Ubisoft guys, if they... If they look at the chart wrong, if they don't put in the right number of fun units, I think Tim's right. They're just gonna... They're gonna be up a creek. Yeah. Well, how, what would the unit of measure in which you uh, measure out fun be? Funions. Call that. <laughs> funions, yes. <laughs> you need 30.6 funions per game. I think That's uh, right. joy units is what they are. How many yeah. joy units are in this level? Oh, yeah, that, I, I've, uh, I, I listened to that, that hip-hop outfit. Right. Joy unit, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that a good fun and, uh, Yeah, and when you break it up, you get a joy division. Yeah. yeah, that's what happens. Here's our lightning round. Uh, we yeah. were going to do a would you rather, but all the questions I got in were kind of dumb. So oh, no. Anything else. Yeah, try harder, guys. Uh, so we're going to play Title Design. Which is oh, a, TD. Yeah, which is a game where I tell you uh, the name of something, and you have to design a game just based on the name alone. That's true. Uh, so this week we're doing Decepticons from the Transformers franchise. Oh, I'm going to tell yes. you the name of an actual Decepticon. Oh, and man. you have to pitch me a game based on the name of this Decepticon. Man, Starscream is going to be such a good game. When we yeah, get... number one is Starscream. Okay. It's so uh, hard to... Like, that. No Man's Sky should be called Starscream. And then uh, it, everyone would yeah, like it, it two that's million it. times more. Yeah, yeah. No Man's Sky is such an unwieldy, gross name. Yeah, call well, Starscream, yeah. Uh, how about Skywarp? Okay, uh, it's like I've Skyrim, got one. but where the, uh, the 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 fast travel is contextually relevant because you can warp. That's a joke, <laughs> right? 
Um, Skywarp, I think this this would be one of those, you know, kids love to make those uh, those physics puzzlers nowadays. So I would say Skywarp is a game where you're folding space upon itself in order to move characters around. Ooh. Uh, yeah, so that's Skywarp, I think. Okay, Sinner Twin. Sinner Twin. Sin- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's about two brothers who uh, who um, <clears throat> they have to fight a church. It's like a beat 'em up. Yeah. And they're the Sinner Twins because they they just like they you know they beat up a, uh, like a. A Catholic church, then a synagogue, <laughs> then like a Hindu you, temple. You, you suplex it like seven in a big old train. Yeah, that's right. It's like that uh, brawler that Dan Paladin did with uh, the dad and his kid. Oh yeah, just go around bullying other kids. It's kind of oh, like yeah. that. Yeah, I, I remember that game. Uh, Slug Slinger. That's oh, a that's constant. Wow. Angry Birds reskinned with slugs. Yeah. <laughs> Sluggery Bird. Now, I think Slug Slinger would actually be an awesome uh, name for, like, <clears throat> a hard-boiled detective-style yeah. action-platforming shooter game. Yeah, it's a nickname uh, for, for a detective who, who uh, shoots a lot, right? It's, he's a Slug yeah. Slinger. Yeah. Slug Slinger. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Weird Wolf. Oh, I want to play Weird Wolf. <laughs> I don't even... <laughs> I can't even. I just thought of like five games at the same time, and I. Can't okay, decide. so uh, all right, all right. It's it's a guy who transforms into a werewolf, but he actually transforms into like the bad video effect between the guy and the werewolf in the movie. So it's like uh, okay. the weird, like half mutated wolf, and it just looks like a guy with like crappy patches of fur everywhere, <laughs> and he's mostly a human. Yeah. And, so I was, uh, and it's was a dating actually... sim. Is that guy? Okay, yeah, because I, I was actually thinking it would be great to have it just be, like, really awkward interactions, because it's just yeah. like, oh, weird wolf, come on. <laughs> uh, okay, ape face. Ape face. Oh, man. <laughs> it's just a traffic jam here, this whole thing. <laughs> How are you supposed to just think of one thing? <laughs> I know, it's like... It's like my, my, my mouth is the bottleneck for the ideas that come from these stupid Decepticon names. First one I had was a vertical shooter where you play as like a really happy, smiling ape face, but you're just shooting things out of it for some reason. I think it would be a sort of a punch-out kind of game where you're just yeah. uh, punching an ape face until the ape isn't happy anymore. So I, I was thinking of like a uh, kind of some low-poly kind of abstract... Uh, 3D shooting game uh, where there's like this giant ape face in the background that's always there. That it, like I guess I was thinking of uh, iRobot. Yeah, basically. I was about to say iRobot. Yeah. Yeah, I was so uh, ape face kind of like I saw I saw Cinetron with an uh, I mean Sinistar rather Sinistar with an with an ape face instead of that that Sinistar face, but it's yeah. always there in a sh- in a shooter thing. That's that's what I'm that's what I'm seeing. But in in my mind, it's McGilla Gorilla. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our next one is Overbite. Whoa! Oh man, Overbite. You're a, you're a character who's just got really big teeth. It's like Bonk, but you have huge teeth. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I think this should be the like, werewolf flap game. Flap your teeth down. Weird wolf. Yeah. Yep, yep, werewolf game. Weird Wolf colon overbite. Yeah, yeah it's it's uh, Weird Wolf too. The action yeah. the action game. Yeah. yeah. I think Weird Wolf should be like he turns into a werewolf, right? 
And yeah. uh, but only one part turns into a werewolf at a time, and it's like you don't know which part it's gonna be. Oh uh, yeah. How many parts? So he might have like one werewolf foot and the werewolf nose, or he might have a nose, a right fist, and the. You know, <clears throat> that would actually be really cool if it were gameplay related. It's like your yeah. legs are a werewolf right now, or you have a tail yeah. so you can balance right. super well. Yeah, yeah, it would be all just gameplayish. And we can expect all this from we're, from Weird Wolf colon Overbite. Yeah. Uh, our next one is Astro Train. Oh God. Uh, God. <laughs> train, a train, basically, just a train that uh, you're on a train. I, I'm picturing just the fun parts of Super Mario Galaxy, except you're a train. Um, you're trying to Sling yourself onto little planets as a train, trying to get your yeah, tiny you passengers. Uh, no, maybe it's like there's, there's a train in space, and uh, it's like great train robbery, but it's for like an intergalactic train that's going across these rails in space, and some it's there's like a shipment of diamonds being delivered from like Neptune or whatever, and some guy has snuck in and is stealing them, and here's some dude with a gun who's like chasing him across this twenty mile long train, yeah. and going in and out, and. Uh, you're just going in and out of the train and running and jumping and hula hooping and stuff. I, I, I like got, I got kind of, our tagline: "The what? Last Frontier Express." Oh yeah, that's right. Oh yeah. Um, I, I I think I like Tim's idea better, but the one that came to me was uh, a like a, you're a conductor on a train and you got to keep all the things moving correctly, sort of like um, faster than light, except uh, you are. It's all third person and in 3D since you know I don't actually have to make this game so so I I don't care about the budget um you're just you're just running through fixing all this stuff and maybe maybe there are robbers maybe you have to keep the passengers happy and that kind of stuff you're just like juggling all this nonsense as a conductor I don't know why you're doing all the work <laughs> it's a space train simulator yeah. okay our next one is squeeze play whoa <laughs> what Decepticon is that what does he do squeeze play <laughs> I saw the name. I'll look it up. Okay, squeeze play. Isn't it a? Uh, uh, I don't know. Squeeze, squeeze play is a is a connect game or a Wii game where you uh, I guess connect where you like <clears throat> you you gotta hug stuff <laughs> and you just put your arms out. You're trying to grab these things and squeeze them. No, yeah, it's a like, it's a really terrible connect. It's a really terrible connect accordion game where you have to like. Hey there. Air, air accordion. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Squeeze play turns into like a uh, crab. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I would say it's a two D platform game where you hug dudes. It's kind of like in Tomba, except okay. the different dude you're hugging uh, does different stuff. So like you can like hug a guy that then lets you bounce, but then it'll slip out of your hands. Like, I was gonna say, can you, can you shoot guys by hugging them? Like yeah. Like yeah, you, and... you can hug guys and then you can like jump, like, and bounce at the hug, and then press down to, like, launch him, like, squeeze him so that it squirts downward. Yeah. Like, the squeeze until it shoots upward. Yeah. It's a, uh, so it's, and the enemies are all big marshmallows or pillows. It's the side story game for that Hakan character from Street Fighter 4. Yeah, there you go. And our last one is Spinister. 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 Oh, yeah. Spinister, the sinister, sinister, the, the sinister minister. It's it's just uh, it's just Beyblade, uh, except um, with bad guys in it. No, that's not a good idea. But that's definitely what happened in my brain just there. It's super hexagon, but it's a roguelike quest game. Spinister turns into a helicopter. 
There was this game that I played. It was a physical game back in the in the 90s or 80s or probably 80s. It was called Spinjas, and yeah. there there are these tiny little arenas, and <clears throat> there were cute little like ninja guys. They weren't all ninja. They were also other kinds of cool characters, and they had um, a metal bottom that was top shaped. And you would put them into these shooters, and it would, like, zoom spin them out. And so you'd put them in the arena, and they'd clack against each other, and one of them might get knocked out, and then you win if that happens. I think that would actually be kind of a fun, stupid physics game if you could build your own um, uh, spinja, as it were, uh, and and that that could be spinister. All right. Uh, I've, I've got one from earlier today uh, in our work chat room. Someone meant to say Lord's Prayer, but they typed Lord's Sprayer. <laughs> um, and the the game I, I had in mind basically has nothing to do with that title at all. I pictured, like, a 1989 Game Boy game by Taito that only came out in Japan. And uh, you're a guy with a huge head, because you always should have a huge head in an old mm-hmm. game. And he's got a sword and a jetpack, right? But the sword's too heavy to swing, so he just holds it upright. So you kind of have to jetpack and stab upward into things. And uh, the only other things I know is that you headbonk brontosaurs to make them flip over on their backs. And uh, flaming meteors are coming down, but if you get high enough to get out of the Earth's atmosphere and they're not on fire anymore, you can land on them. That's all I've got. That's Lord Sprayer. Okay. What Decepticon is Lord Sprayer, though? He's, uh, he's a robot who's evil and has a gun. He okay. turns, into a, turns into a Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Bible's rule. Yeah. Uh, so oh, he, wait, wait. He, he turns into a, a Bible with a fake cutout with a gun inside. Nice. Yeah. But but he, he'll, he'll transform the Bible parts into a robot and just grab the gun that was in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> Which is also a tiny robot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, guys, before we go, I want each of you to recommend something for our audience to uh, experience this week. It could okay. be a book, or a movie, or a TV show, or even a video game, an album, whatever. I'm reading a book right now. It is called... I don't know what it's called. Hang on. I'm, i got to look it up. I don't know how to see the title of this, but it's, uh, it is a book by... Uh, God, sorry. I can't... I, like, <laughs> I, I, on iBooks, I can't like click the book to see the name of it. You know? Sounds like a book you feel strongly about, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> Strongly about enough to recommend. Okay, well, well no. He, okay, let me tell you the title why, and here's why I couldn't think of it because this is how All generic right. it is. The Simpsons: colon, An Uncensored, Unauthorized History. That's why I couldn't think of the title. Like, who's gonna All remember right. that title, right? That's pretty boring. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But it's but it's, it's sort of an oral history book from a journalist about the early days of The Simpsons, and oh, cool. uh, it's pretty good. It's got a whole bunch of interviews with. Uh, whole lot of people, like the producers of the Tracy Ullman show, stuff like that. whole lot of drama in there. Really good look at the Simpsons writer's room of the first of five seasons, which, as we all know, was probably a magical place. Um, I think I think as this book progresses, uh, the, the author is about to get kind of preachy. I'm kind of feeling that. But uh, so far, it's really good. Preachy in what way? Preachy in the, like, uh, uh, the later Simpsons are, are worthless kind of way. Yeah. Uh, well, they are, but yeah, it's true. But I don't like I don't I don't need a book to confirm my opinions if it's a work of journalism. Yeah, yeah, that's true. The Descent into Yellow Family Guy, as my friend Gilbert Smith. Yeah, uh, uh, 
Yeah, that makes that make that's pretty good analogy, as they say. Um, let's see. I I don't know. I got I got so many things. I guess I could recommend. Um, I think that I will recommend because why the heck not? Just a, I'm gonna recommend a stupid fun thing. There's an album by a gentleman called Rockwell. That <laughs> album that album is known as Captured. This is this for those of you that are watching. You can see. Oh, like, Rock, I remember Rockwell. this. Rockwell oh. has a really cool jacket, and he kind of looks a little bit like he likes Prince. And yeah. um, he's very, he's got these awesome synths, and uh, you know he loves talking about like how uh, he's either spying on somebody or somebody's spying on him. Like all of, all of his albums have something about a stalker. Uh, on them, which is fun, and he actually he's got a, he's got a song in here in which he he speaks uh, Japanese, and he and it doesn't really make sense. <laughs> what video game would you get him for the soundtrack for? Oh man, all of them. I would definitely if I could get Rockwell to do a soundtrack. I think he could he could definitely do the Gunsport soundtrack uh, for sure right now. Um, but uh, I already got a pretty good guy doing that. But yeah, Rockwell. I recommend Rockwell Captured. All right. Rockwell Captured. Yeah. Yeah. Is Tim's that also your recommendation, Tim? Uh, I don't really have anything at the moment, I don't think. That's cool. Maybe, maybe like, you want to recommend stuff. someone go out and run a mile or something, maybe hug their mom. I don't know about hugging no moms. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend that to anybody. All right. But, uh, but uh, yeah, go out there and get some stuff done in the if world. If you don't like the news, go out and make some of your own. Yeah. All right. So if there's, yeah, just do whatever it takes to get on TV. So That's what I recommend. That's You could, <laughs> you could uh, <laughs> look us up on Twitter. Uh, just put our names in there. We'll come up. Uh, you, uh, if you're one of the millions of people with a PlayStation Vita, uh, you should definitely use their PlayStation mobile service to get uh, Tuffy the Corgi and the Tower of Bones, uh, the latest, greatest game from Action Button Entertainment. Yeah, Action uh, Butthole Entertainment, more like more it. Owned yourself. Uh, oh, and uh, it's, it's, it's now legally okay for me to say what I'm working on. Frank, tell us what you're working on. Uh, I am I am the lead designer, director, producer, etc. Everything, uh, mostly on uh, Sharknado, the video game coming oh, to iOS. Oh man! Sharknado, the video game coming to iOS uh, sometime around the the uh, debut of Sharknado 2, the second one on the Sci-Fi Channel, and it's uh, it's a real dumb game on purpose. I- as they say on the poster, enough said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's what I'm doing. So it's out soon. Even Sharknado is right up there with World War Z on the list of movies I will never watch. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I'll play that game. Not. Why the heck not, right? I'll play that game. You uh, should. Brand- Brandon, oh. what's oh, I have something I want to recommend. I have something yeah. to recommend. I just remembered. Should I... I- should I say this? Is yeah, it, go for it. I feel like I'm lagging or something. Yeah, uh, I watched uh, the Luke Besson's film, The Adventures of Adele Blanc Sec, which I'm pronouncing wrong on purpose. It's a French movie about uh, one of my favorite comic books, which is about a 
girl who solves mysteries and goes on adventures and is also a popular fiction novelist in France of the 1910s. And uh, it's a really, really cool comic book. And Luc Besson is pretty cool. And the movie is very much in the style of The Fifth Element, which is one of my favorite films. Oh, yeah. It's just a huge, weird, jumpy, comic booky, virtuoso film with really good sets and practical effects. And there is some CG in it. Uh, but beware, you know. But uh, it's a really cool Indiana Jones-like movie that has more of a weird Frenchy tone to it, and I enjoy it a whole lot. I watched that. the entire Fifth Element yesterday. In the past, I had only seen the last 20 minutes like three times. Oh, and man. Watching yeah. the whole thing is quite a treat. It uh, yeah. was. So <clears throat> if anyone in the world has not seen that movie, go see it. Yeah, it's uh, it's really good. I've seen it. Uh, it's one of those movies I'll just put on in the middle of the week and just watch at night. Yeah, it's while a pretty good one. Man. Yeah, have you, you should watch this other one, uh, uh, Brandon. Yeah, I'd recommend I'll watch this one for watching at John Johnson's house if he'd be up for that. It's I bet good. He would. It's good and weird and action packed and all in French and uh, it's cool. Got a lot uh, of good action. Brandon, do you have any game news for us personally? Game news, I would like for everyone that lives in or near Austin, Texas to come to Rooster Teeth Expo on the 4th of July oh, to, yeah. uh, to play Gunsport because we, we put, in, uh, like a new, put in a new feature, we put in a new stage, and uh, it would be cool to have y'all come down there and give it a placey. While you're at the Rooster Teeth Expo, you should try playing Griff Ball. I'm sure they'll have that there. Like Griff Ball. Yeah, that's like kind of their signature game. It's a game within Halo uh, that they invented. It's cool. Yeah. It is pretty okay. cool. All right, now you're playing with podcasts. Wow! Podcast over, yeah! I'm going to recommend the word Takeshito. Takeshito. <laughs> Takeshito. Takeshito.